So Ephesians 5, uh, we're going to be in verses 1 through 14 today. We're continuing this study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, We've been in this book for the past few months, just kind of walking verse by verse throughout the first uh, three or four chapters of Ephesians. And, you know, last week we took a little bit of a break, but we're we're back in the book of Ephesians this week. And uh, and before we jump into our text this morning, just wanted to remind us of the structure of this book, about some of the things we talked about a lot early on in this series where, you know, the first three chapters are sort of about one thing, and then the first or, or the second three chapters are about something else. And if we just sort of plop down in the middle of one of these things without recognizing kind of the flow of this letter that was written, um, it's easy to misunderstand some things about what it's like to walk uh, in faith with Jesus, okay? So if you remember, we, we studied those first three chapters were all about identity, like who, um, who we are in Christ. If you remember Paul, the, the writer of this letter, used all these phrases like, you've been saved by grace, you've been chosen by God, you are loved by God, I want you to know the depths of the love of God, all about identity, like who we are uh, and how secure we are in Christ. And then there's a verse at the beginning of chapter four where Paul says, therefore, because of all of those things, live in a manner worthy of your calling or worthy of everything I've just said. So if we get those out of order, we can, it's a little dangerous sometimes. If we start thinking about what we're supposed to live like before we know who we are in Christ, it can, it can kind of turn into where uh, all that our walk with Christ is, is trying to do things, to behave a certain way, to, to say things this way and not say things this way. And uh, if we get those things out of order, it can be dangerous for us. So we have to remember as we approach today where Paul's going to talk about some things, how, how are we supposed to live as followers of Jesus? We have to remember none of this is to earn uh, favor before God. It's not to earn our identity as loved daughters and sons before Christ, okay? So this is about living in a manner worthy of everything God has done for us, okay? So um, the main point of everything Paul's about to say, if I could sum up what we're about to talk about is this. Uh, Your identity with Christ in your ordinary everyday life have to be connected. Your identity, your relationship with Jesus, your spiritual life has to be connected, must be connected with your ordinary, everyday, mundane life, okay? That's what Paul's going to get at. So let's read uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 14, and we're just going to look at a few different sections of this and uh, unpack it a little bit, okay? So we'll start in verse 1. Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as proper for the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do and secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
This is our word from the Lord out of Ephesians chapter five. So um, this week I discovered a book called Do What You Are. Has anyone ever heard of this book? Do What You Are? <laughs> okay. Um, so it's called Do What You Are. The premise is this. They use a personality test like the Myers-Briggs and you take the personality test, you're like INFJ or I don't, I've never done a book. Okay, so I'm just nailing it with the case. Um, so you take the personality test and then you flip to the part of the book that has your personality and it gives you a list of careers that they say, this is, these are some careers that really match up with your personality type. Now, um, there's a little bit of truth there. I don't like really, I'm not super on board with Myers-Briggs. I think it's a little bit too static for like a personality test, but I think there's some truth to what they're saying there. So the, the idea is, okay, if you're the most creative, like artistic person, and your whole group of friends, maybe tax law is, maybe that's not what you should be like pursuing with your life, right? Uh, maybe there are, there, there's a way that how your personality is wired uh, should line up with what you do, with your vocation, with your career, all right? So um, that's the, the idea of, of the book. Now, um, I think there's some ideas from, from that, uh, that book that translate to what Paul's talking about here today. He's saying, okay, what are you? What, what's your identity from the past three chapters? Okay, loved daughter and son of Christ, chosen by God to be in the family of God. Okay, that's, that's who you are. Okay, so what does it look like for us to do what we are? That's sort of what Paul's getting at here. How do we live into who we are? Because following Jesus is not just a theory. It's not just a belief that we believe in our minds or um, just kind of a compartmentalized section of who we are. Um, it, it is integrated into every arena of our life. So Paul's gonna say, these are some ways you do what you are. These are some ways you live into who you are in Christ, okay? So there are two main ideas in this text that I wanna point out for us, and then we'll spend some time just at our tables discussing and reflecting on what the Lord was speaking to us, okay? So here's the two main ideas. First one is gonna be live like you're loved. That's in verses one and two, live like you're loved, if you're taking notes. The second one's gonna be live like you are light. We're gonna see that in verses three through 14. Live like you're loved, live like you're light. Okay, so um, the, the text begins in, ver in verse one, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, children who are loved by God, right? So um, this idea of imitation is super common for us, right? So anyone that has kids, they see their kids just naturally imitating what they do. I'm gonna call out Luke and Sarah over here. I was texting some of our parents this week in our, in our family. I was like, tell me some ways that your kids like imitate you without you teaching them. And uh, he was like, do you want like an embarrassing one or like a super proud one? Where we're just like, um, but uh, he was like, I mean, the, the shoes being laid around the house is something we didn't teach them, but they learned from us. <laughs> they, Im they imitate some things that we do in our normal everyday life. And, and if you have nieces or nephews or little kids that you're around, sometimes you'll like say a word in passing and then three weeks later, they'll use the word totally wrong, right? Dylan was talking about that. <laughs> it's like, that's not how you use that word. First of all, where did you learn that word? And it's just this idea that, that children admire and love and respect their parents, right? And they wanna imitate them. Even without trying, they, they desire to imitate them. And, and the whole idea that, that Paul's putting before us here, is that he said, imitate God. Because we all imitate things, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus in the room, whether you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just kind of like trying this whole thing out in church. Like all of us imitate things. That which we honor and respect and value in the world, we naturally just sort of imitate. 
So, I mean, if, you, if all you, we get a lot of songwriters probably in the room, if all you listen to is reggae music, your next album probably won't sound like Metallica, right? It's like what, what you listen to, what you, uh, what you honor, what you respect, what you value, it just sort of comes out in, in who you are. And what, what Paul is saying, I want you to imitate God, and this is what it means to imitate God with the next verse. He says, he says and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So let's imitate God who, through Christ, gave up everything he had in love for others. This is what it means to imitate God. Now, it's, a, it's really fun to like stop right there and be like, yeah, we want to imitate God and the love of Jesus that's self-sacrificial and lays down power for the sake of others. Like, that's so good. Let's just like stop there, right? And because I've already read the rest of the text, it's like, okay, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a more uh, like palatable place to stop in the text. But Paul goes on and gets more specific, sort of elaborates. What does it look like to imitate God? What are some things that, that don't really imitate the character and the love of God? He begins to unpack it. So that's the first one, live like you're loved. This idea that we're gonna live into the love of Christ, our identity in Christ. We're gonna imitate the love of Christ that was shown in Jesus but it's also gonna be live like your light, right? So we get this idea of light in, in verse 11, or, or I'm sorry, verse, let's see, verse eight. Walk as children of light. And it's this, this juxtaposition, this metaphor that Paul uses where it's like once you were darkness and now you are light. The light of Christ has been put in you. Christ is, sh- is shining on you. So you now live as light in your life, right? So how we live flows from who we are, right? Do what you are. This is what Paul is talking about. We have to understand our identity and then we begin to embrace how we live. So I want to make a few observations, a few clarifications in verses three through 14. Just kind of talk about some of the things that, that Paul, um, Paul uses to differentiate the, the new life of Christ followers and their previous life apart from God. Okay. So the first place that, that Paul goes is, is in regards to sex, right? So let's read verses, uh, verse three again. He says, but sexual immorality all impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you. All right, so um, the words sexual immorality, impurity, that covers um, the whole scope of things in life in which we use sex outside of God's design for our lives, okay? So adultery, lust, prostitution, pornography, these are the things that Paul is, is, is uh, referring to here. And I was just thinking this week, our culture thinks about sexuality very differently uh, than, than what the scriptures are gonna teach us. Uh, it thinks, of, thinks about sexuality, um, it thinks about the Christian perspective on sexuality as restrictive, as oppressive, um, as backwards. It's kind of like a moral straitjacket, you know, it, it, it limits you from experiencing the world. It's what the culture often thinks. And it claims that it's actually more liberating to be able to use your body however you want, with whoever you want, for whatever purposes that you want. But I think the reality is that our culture actually devalues sexual intimacy by lowering it to a commodity that's to be traded, uh, to be marketed uh, for products. And people often find themselves more enslaved to their sexual desires than liberated from them. I think that's my assessment of kind of how the culture works. And the Bible on their hand is, is gonna say, we wanna elevate sex and sexual intimacy uh, to something valuable and sacred within the confines of how God created it for us to function so that we have freedom over our sexual desires rather than being enslaved to them. So in the Christian sexual ethic, God is gonna say sex outside of marriage undermines the qualities in God that, that we wanna in, in, uh, imitate. Faithfulness, trust, 
love, community, these, these things that we want to imitate in God, right? Be imitators of God. He's saying, if you, if you live outside of how I created this, it destroys those things. And this isn't about God trying to rob us of something, right? This is kind of the, the common idea. It's like, man, it's just, it's just God trying to rob you of joy by putting restrictions on your sexual, uh, sexuality. God's not trying to rob us of joy. He's trying to line us up with how he designed human relationships to function so that we can experience the most deep intimacy with other people in our lives and with God, right? Okay, so that's, that's the, the goal of what God is doing. He's not just saying, don't do this because it's bad. This is about see how beautiful God's design is for intimacy. See how beautiful God's design is for trust and faithfulness and covenant. Let's imitate that in our lives and, and run from everything that tears apart that intimacy and trust. Okay, so that's the first place Paul goes in regards to sexuality. And then he begins to talk about speech and how we talk with one another. He says in verse four, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Now, if I'm honest, this one seems a little bit more trivial. Um, it's, it's a lot easier for me to look at that first one and be like, yeah, like I've, I've seen in my own life the places where sexual uh, immorality has like broken relationships and destroyed intimacy. Like I've seen that, I agree with it. Like, yes, let's, let's live how God designed. But when I get to this and I'm like, okay, really? Like you're gonna talk about like my jokes, right? You're gonna talk about how I speak. Seems a little bit more trivial. So let's just like ask the question, like can, let's, let's be transparent with one another. Um, do the scriptures get to make comments about how we speak and about our humor? Is that on the table for you? Paul seems to think here that there's a way that our speech, that our joking has a way of reflecting well the love of Christ that we want to imitate or reflecting poorly, reflecting what we would say is foolishness or, or darkness. Now, most of you know me fairly well. I wasn't like cracking crude jokes out on the porch, like over coffee. Like that's not really how I usually talk. But there's something in me that like doesn't wanna be that Christian that's like holier than thou. Like, oh, you cracked an office joke. That's, you know, I don't wanna be that guy, right? None of us wanna be that person. And so there's this tendency in us to, to say, okay, that's not it. So let's just affirm anything. Like talk however you want, speak however you want, joke however you want. It's like, it's all okay. And Here's what the Holy Spirit was teaching me this week, and this is what I, I was learning from the text. Now, I'll let you kind of figure out based on how you see this text, what this is gonna mean for you. Um, but I, I was beginning to see how over-sexualized our language and our joking can be in our culture. I was just kind of reflecting on that. And, and, the, and this wasn't sort of like a, okay, which comedians can I listen to? Which comedians or what movies can I listen, watch or not? It's not about that. But I was beginning to reflect on, okay, what is an over-sexualized humor due to sexual intimacy over time in me? Like, what, what happens? You begin to reflect on that. You, and you can start to think, okay, there's a way that joking in a certain way or speaking in a certain way can begin to break down trust and intimacy in relationships. And, and that's just sort of what I was learning um, this week. What does that do to our relationships over time? So I'm not gonna tell you like, don't do this or say this. Like, that's not what this is about. And I'm also not trying to create a culture where we're trying to be proper. Okay, I grew up in a church like that, where it's like, hey, don't say that word. Oh, that was crude. Don't talk crude. You know, like, that, that's the culture that I grew up in church. That is not what I'm trying to do. Um, this is not about cuss words here in the text. This is not at all what Paul is talking about, okay? Uh, we don't at all want to create barriers to being vulnerable and, like, real with each other. 
okay? Authentic community is what we're after. But I wanna be clear, I think Paul is saying we need to watch how our speech affects one another. Is it building each other up in love and thanksgiving, imitating the love of Christ, or is it um, exploiting others' speech for humor? Is it sexualizing speech? Is it demeaning others or breaking down trust and love and relationships? I had to learn during college that sarcasm for me was always, was always at someone else's expense so that I could be funny. And I think that's the type of idea where Paul is saying, hey, think about how your speech builds up the love of Christ in each other and how Thanksgiving does that in relationships and, and where it doesn't. Okay, so I think you can discern what that means for you and your community, but that's the main idea of Paul here. So one more point, and then we'll uh, spend some time reflecting at our tables. Paul goes on in verses five through seven, and, and he begins, I'm not gonna read it, but he begins to talk about how lifestyles that are characterized um, and embrace and are essentially this way are completely separate from the kingdom of God. And he uses some pretty strong language, right? He's saying that people who are defined by, embrace the lifestyle of, of sexual immorality and greed and covetousness and speaking in these ways, that it stands apart from God and that it so wrecks God's intent for human relationships that God's anger or wrath is against those lifestyles. In other words, if you live your life essentially defined by these things, celebrating these things, he's saying you can't be a follower of Jesus. The love of God isn't in you if, if this is what you celebrate in life. So Paul's not saying that Christians will never struggle with these things. He's not saying that we won't fall and sin and have moments where temptation leads us down these paths. So it's not people who struggle in these things, it's people who are essentially this way. So we'll keep driving this home. The love of Christ and your identity in Christ is greater than your shortcomings. That's why we started with identity for, for two months. Like the grace of Christ is enough and is greater than your shortcomings, right? So we don't walk in shame and guilt here because we have moments where these things show itself in our lives. We trust in our identity as sons and daughters of Christ. So as we enter into a time of reflection at our tables, um, I just want you to remember the heart behind all of this. You know, it can kind of be, this is not the like funnest thing to talk about on Sunday mornings. Like let's talk about sexual immorality and greed and humor and, and all this stuff. It's like, let's just like focus on the grace and talk about the love of Christ. But um, I just want you to remember that God is out for your joy. Like God really wants you to experience joy and intimacy and like, faithfulness and trust in relationships. Like he really wants that. And so much so he's gonna invite and even command us at times to stay away from things and patterns in our lives that tear down those relationships. So as we reflect, as you kind of think about what this might mean for your life, let's remember the good and trustworthy heart of God um, as, as we reflect. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna spend a few minutes at tables. Um, this is something we do during, a lot during the summer. We just embrace the fact that we have a, a few less people in the room so we can like go deeper in community. So um, you have some people at your tables and uh, I'll give you a few starter questions um, and uh, I'll type them up and put them on the screen here in a second. But um, here, here's a few questions that you might, might think about. What are, you, what are you imitating in life? What are you imitating? A boss? A friend, a family member, celebrity, you know, there, there's all sorts of things that we think, oh, I want to be like that. So maybe that's a way that you can reflect. What am I imitating in life? Am I imitating God, perhaps? Another question you might think about is, what, what are indicators that you are or are not living like you're loved? What does that mean? What are, what are some indicators? Yeah, I'm really living like I'm loved by God right now. Or, or what happens when that's not, at, when that's not present in your life? 
And then finally, um, what do you feel like the Holy Spirit was, was speaking to you this morning? Is there anything that God was kind of laying on your heart that, that you just wanted to share with the group, process with the group? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter into discussion for about 10 minutes or so. And uh, just as a reminder, I want to encourage you guys to speak from your own experience. Um, and then when, when other people share, let's just celebrate and appreciate rather than trying to fix or like speak into, okay? So just share from your own experience. Hey, this is what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. This is what I noticed. This is what was challenging. And then as people share, hey, thank you for sharing that. That was really vulnerable. Like I really appreciate you sharing that. That, that brings up this in, in, in my heart and this is what I was feeling. Okay, so that's kind of how we'll structure, uh, structure our time of Reflection. Okay, so we're going to put on some, some soft music, reflect for 10 or so minutes, and then I'll come back up and lead us in a time of communion, okay?